this out. Well, good morning. No, actually, we're at the noon hour, so it's uh, high noon. Uh, so uh, we're right there at in the afternoon, beginning of the afternoon here. Uh, this is Steve Madden, and I'm here with Pastor Paul Vincent. Hello, Pastor Paul. Uh, well, high noon to you, Steve. Yeah, I knew. <laughs> and we're here doing the Foundations podcast for this week. And, um, and uh, this week, we're uh, going to be delving, we're going to be doing a little bit of history, history lesson, but we're going to be dealing with part two of the, uh, the podcast that we were doing. This is part two of Church Substitutes, and today we're going to talk about te uh, Christian television. Christian television. We'll just kind of leave it there, and then we're gonna we're gonna give you a little bit of uh, history. We're gonna kind of go back in time to present of uh, Christian television, and uh, with that, we're gonna kind of do some comparisons, and then we're gonna talk about how that individuals today are using Christian television, again, just like the internet, like we did last week, as a substitute for the local church. And I think today, Pastor Paul, we're going to talk about what that effect is and having on the local church as well. We'll get there. Um, because now, what was that? Okay, I'm going to ask you just right off the bat. What was that statistic that you're talking about how churches are closing these days? And during the time of COVID was heavy too, so. Uh, yes, well, you know, the, the decline in church membership has been going on for, wow, well over a decade. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, with the, the advent of the COVID-19, they are making predictions that one out of five churches will close. And, uh, but... I believe that that's not just because of COVID-19. No. Uh, church membership was declining all over the world, to be honest. But we'll stick with, you know, you know America here. Yeah. Um, this, is, this has been going on. The average attendance has been declining. Uh, right, it's, it's declined from an average attendance to 137 across the board to around 65. Yeah. And uh, so that was already a problem. But uh, what the problem now is that it's become easier uh, to set at home and uh, watch something on YouTube or on Christian yeah. television. Yeah. And, and because, you know, and people use, I think COVID-19 was a way for people just to, uh, it, it, what it did, it exposed. It contributed. Yeah, it contributed to a problem to this that was already a, already a problem. Yeah. And that is that uh, the decline of commitment and faithfulness to God Himself. Yeah. And uh, and if we've made niche, and if we're going to base our 
what we believe that God wants us to do in relation to the local church. It better be based in Scripture. Sure. And I can tell you right now that there is nothing in the New Testament uh, that would give us any indication that we should not be faithful to our local church. In fact, the the opposite is reported. Yeah. You know? Now, here, I'm, I'm going to say, how, do, how does one kill a church, a local church? How do you bring down a local church? Let's think about this. First of all, you start, what? Removing the members. We have the decline in, in, uh, in membership or people stop going to church, right? Yeah, you, yeah, 137 to 65 average. We're talking about average among you know churches regardless of denominations. Okay. And uh, and by the way, it's worse in Europe. Oh yeah. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, but that's where we're headed. You know, it, it's amazing how we think we cannot, you know, that doesn't apply to us. That's where we're going. Yes. In another 10 years, if something doesn't change, it, it's not going to be one out of five that are closing. You know, it's it's going it's going to be more. It's going to be a whole lot more. Yeah, than that. you're going to see them going down. And so, okay, I'm going to say that first you remove their attendance. Now, the other thing that you, you can do to kill a local church is you can pull their financing. Yes, and that, that right there, I mean, someone says, well, churches shouldn't have debt. Well, let's just take the debt out of the, the equation. Let's just assume the church has everything paid for. The, just the expense of running the church. Yes. It, you know, utilities, yeah, salaries, utilities. Uh, supply, uh, stuff to uh, have for ministry. Uh, I mean, we, the list could go on. I mean, when we had our Heaven's Harvest, when we were actually heavy involved in that, yeah. one of the things that we had to, uh, to deal with, we never even thought about before, is the increase in toilet paper. Oh, yeah. Little things that you never huh. even think <laughs> During about. During COVID, it was, you were fighting for paper your toilet towels, paper. Yes. Yeah. More, you know, and, and, you know, the average person that comes to church never thinks of, of, of those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but there's still operating expenses yes. that are involved. Even if you don't owe anything on your property or whatever, and so if you if you siphon enough of that off, no church in this world can function. Well, just think if I mean if you if you, uh, you had no income in your own household, how long could you survive? Not very long. Not very long until all of a sudden they're going to kick you out. If you're renting, they're going yes. to evict you. If you're, or else if you're uh, trying to pay for a house, they're going to repossess that house. Hey, if you're not paying yeah. for your car, they're going to take gonna, your car yeah, away. Somebody named Billy Bob's going to come and get it. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to come in the middle of the night when you don't know what's going on. They're going to hook that thing up. It's going to be gone in the morning. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, okay, so we're looking at how to kill a church. And then, and then, and this is, um, we're kind of setting the stage for our look into television evangelism. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be bold enough to go say this is that the way that television evangelism has evolved is, is contributory to the decline of the local church. Yes, it is. And by the way, when we're talking about Christian, as we talked about Christian television, we are in the second generation of Christian television. Yes. Uh, 
and we're we're gonna we're gonna kind of bring that out with first generation, second generation. We are in some cases going to be moving towards third generation, but uh, that's kind of where we're at. Now let let's go back in time. Okay, Christian television has had a vast history. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Now, we used to have what we, they call, this is back in the day, and of course I must be you know old, this is when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth. No, I'm yeah. joking, actually. <laughs> uh, we had cable access television. Yes. And cable access television, well... I can go back and let me just give you an example. My first pastor, Pastor Grant, uh, they they used radio. Radio was good stuff. Okay, so what he would do is he would go on the radio. His family, he would have preaching. There was a good message there, as well as they would put some music together. His whole family was musical. They'd get on every week. Uh, they would have their program on there. They would be playing the piano and the organ and the uh, saxophones. All of them played sax. It, it was really nice, and I thought that was very nice, very cool to me. Okay, it was really great. And he'd bring that message, but he was pastoring his own church. And uh, we started from a, a radio, but then all of a sudden cable access came on. And so, well, this was another venue for ministers to try to take advantage and of that uh, medium and start bringing their messages there. So they started programs or what have you on there. And some of them were kind of off base. Now, if, um, if you remember Gene Scott. Yes. Okay. Gene Scott was that he was on television and this, this, this guy was, uh, was a character and a half. He would get on there and he'd be doing his message but the whole thing was evolved around raising money, and ha he had a bunch of phone phone people out there. And but the thing is, is Gene Scott. I mean, he got off cue when it co comes to his uh, theology. Oh, very much so. Oh, he uh, and he got up there, and I remember staying. It was uh, my wife and I. We were sitting one day watching this program. And Gene Scott was over there, and he was playing. I mean, he, he looked like a jazz saxophonist, man. He would go on. And he, I, I, he had a talent, okay? There was yeah. a talent there to play in the sax. But he'd also sit there on a chair and in in looking at the, uh, the, the, you got you, just picture this. He'd on a chair with a stogie. This guy was smoking a, a cigar on air. And his people were in the back uh, answering the telephones. And he'd over there saying, and he sat there and he cursed on television. I'm not going to say it, of course, oh, of course he but, he, but he said, I'm, I, we're not going to play one more blankety blank song on here until these phones start lighting up. And this guy was just a case. Oh, yeah. But he came from cable access. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, if, if you had the privilege of watching Gene Scott, of course, he's, you know, uh, well, anyway, he's dead. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, he was a heretic. That's what yeah. he was. He was an apostate, and uh, and and yeah, I just it, it's sad to considering what he used to do and how he uh, was a very big contributor, uh, even in the assemblies of God. Yes, you know, uh, I don't I don't know what happened to Gene Scott. I really don't mm -hmm. know. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm watching him one day and I he his, his church and he's took up the she's dead now too. Oh, she is. Yeah, anyway, oh, wow. And uh, 
And so, you know, he's up here preaching a message called Justification by Faith. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some of the same things you just described. And uh, and so uh, and I had him at that time on a, a big satellite yeah. and on a ranch that I was living on. It wasn't my ranch, but anyway, I was living on it. So the guy on the ranch hooked the satellite up, you know, or the uh -huh. clarity, and it would move around. Crazy things now. But uh, uh, so he's up there, and, he, and I came across one of the channels. I saw him preaching in a church. I'd never seen him in a church. I always seen him on his little program. Yeah, and so I thought oh, that's neat, and he's preaching about justification by faith, and he's going, and I mean, it is biblically sound. Yeah, and I'm like, did he get saved? You know, and <laughs> uh, and so and he's going through, and this, and I'm going to use his language. I'm, it's a little rough, but it's not horrible. Anyway, and he's out there. He got he's probably got about fifteen hundred people in this place. Yeah, and he's preaching. He says, you know, Paul was the apostle. Paul was justified by faith. And if he wanted to sleep with those whores in Corinth, it doesn't matter. He's justified by faith. And when he says this, it, all these people going, yeah, <laughs> and all this, yeah, the man's theology was off. Yeah, the guy's theology was off. And this is an earliest, this, this is a real yeah, early yeah, example. This is real early. And by the way, yeah. uh, PTL and, and, uh, well, Daystar didn't exist then. Mm -hmm. uh, TV, none of those, ha they didn't have him on when he started doing it. At least I, I don't think they did. Yeah. I called him on something else. I forget what it was. Oh, and, goodness. Uh, so it, it's... And, uh, okay, so this is the earliest example. Now, we went from there, and, okay, then a lot of uh, ministers started just having their own programs, and th they would actually get on television, regular television. I remember being at my grandma and grandpa's house and watching uh, Jack Van Impey. Yeah, Jack Van Impey. Yeah, he would be teaching on prophecy and all that. Jimmy and Swagger. Was Swagger was uh, one of the back, and then and and then, uh, well, a lot of them. But then you saw the evolution. Well, then Ernest Angsley. Uh, I'm going to behave myself and okay. not talk about Ernest Angsley today. But at the same time, he, I mean, he was on there too, and all of a sudden it was amazing. He he actually had some. Uh, well, maybe I will talk a little bit about him. He had a little program on there, and and he, all of a sudden you saw the like you were floating in the in the in the out in outer space, and all of a sudden you say you you you'd watch this, and all of a sudden it says, um, uh, you know, this is Ernest Angsley, blah 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 blah, and then all of a sudden he would come on in his voice, and he had that southern accent. He'd say, "I was visited by God when I was twelve years of age, brought up through the stars, and God said, you will bring my healing message to the world.'" and and it went on from there. And this guy was a uh, he was a character. A lot of these people were characters. And he he would uh, we, we saw him in Los Angeles, California. We just kind of popped in when we were waiting to get into Jimmy Swagger, and uh, saw him down there, man. And he when he would hit somebody on the head, or well, I shouldn't say that. He would pray for them. And you would hear this high pitched squeal, heal, heal, and I'm over here going, oh father. Anyway, but that but you know there's a lot of stuff that comes through television event or uh, uh, Christian television. Now, Swagger, now just take a look at Swagger. Though, Swagger, he would broadcast his crusades. Yes. Now, the thing is, though, is he would have crusades, right? right. These crusades were with the purpose of reaching out, and they would have massive altar calls yes. during that time. You would kind of picture maybe a Pentecostal Billy Graham going after it yeah. to a point. I'm not yeah, going to, you know. Yeah, it's a. Uh... 
But yeah, but you're right. I mean, I, I, I attended back uh, in the early '80s. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jimmy Swagger came to uh, Houston, mm -hmm. and I don't remember it was in the Coliseum. I don't know where it was. Anyway, uh, I remember him. You know, him being there, and he, he, his traditional message. You know, I mean, he he loved. He had a kind of a statement. He loved to say, you know, that Jesus can make the. Uh, uh, the prostitute pure in the harlot holy, holy. And, yeah, yeah. And he, like, did, he, I mean, he, he had a way of doing that, you know. But you and know, that little theatrics. But I, yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, it was, uh, his music. I mean, there's a lot of music in yeah. there, and and the thing is, as from a Pentecostal standpoint, I mean, he would every Sunday he would preach a Pentecostal message. Yes, about, and by the uh, way, he called people to repentance. Yes. And, and we can say that, uh, you know, that was also Billy Graham was doing his crusades. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing. And, uh, and, and one of the things that we made observation about, and, and I don't want to jump the gun on this, while we did have some odd people yes. <laughs> in the first generation of Christian television and, and things like that, at least there was a gospel presentation of trying to reach the lost. Yes. Now, I'm not saying everyone was doing a great job of it, mm -hmm. but at least it was there. Yes. There were some that were doing very It was job. the gospel. Yes, it was the gospel. So, you know, and then, yeah, and then they were preaching that, and uh, and Swaggart, uh, all of these different ones, they were preaching. So there was an intention when it first started off of using the medium of television to get the gospel message out. Now here, this is because today we're in a real different world, and oh, uh, and we're in a totally different world. There, we're going to get there, yeah. but uh, the thing is, is that's why I want to uh, uh, point that out: is that it's the gospel message that was, uh, and then what the definition of that gospel is is that number one, you reach out to lost sinners. Right. You know that one of the very first things I saw on television, they had some sort of a marathon or whatever, and I believe. Oh, what was his name? Dean something or other was it? And they had this big thing called "I Found It." You get little pins and "I Found It" or whatever. And I was talking about getting saved. And um, and uh, the the guy who played in those uh, Herbie movies, uh, what oh, was? Oh, I know what uh, you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Yeah, anyway, we'll we'll figure that one out. But anyway, the but uh, they they were in there. I found it. There was a movement towards the sinner to the lost person to give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. That was the gospel message. Also, there was a big movement in the first generation to point people to the local church. The local church. By the you way, see, we, we, I want to get this in because if we don't, we'll forget it. I know. David Wilkerson, and by the way, this statement was made to the first generation of Christian television. Yeah. They asked him, do you watch Christian television? He told them no. Now, all fairness, David Woods didn't watch television, period. Mm -hmm. He's sort of like me. I don't yeah, watch kind it of back anyway. Off. So, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not against television. I mean, I will like, watch an occasional no, football not, game, like the Super Bowl. Saying, we're not television. saying that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but what, <clears throat> the point what I'm saying, they asked him, do you watch Christian television? He said no. They said, well, why? He said, because I go to church. I don't need to hear the gospel preached to me, I'm not lost. Right? I don't Think need, about that. Exactly yeah, in other words, what you he just was said. saying, I don't need to hear the gospel, but he said, I don't need to watch them. I'm not lost. Yes. I go to church. You see, and, and, and that so, was his understanding, though, of yes. what tele Christian television yeah, was, was supposed a, to it be. It was supposed to be reaching the lost. Yes. 
Yeah, that means you're preaching a gospel presentation of that Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he calls all men to repent and acknowledge his lordship. Yes. And you can be born again. There you go. I mean, and then the process of discipleship is then turned to the local church where we teach them all things mm-hmm. that Christ has taught us. Yes. Along with baptizing them. Of course. Okay, so anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah but so you see, where did they go to get baptized? They went to the local church yeah, so that there church. would be a baptism and say, if you got saved or whatever, we'd have a regular baptismal service. In the first generation of Christian television, the church in America was doing pretty good. Yes. I mean... I mean, it wasn't really a deterrent. Now, I will say that uh, I did notice, because I was pastoring during that first generation mm-hmm. as well, that uh, there were people that I thought it was sort of silly sending a lot of money to ministries and, and things like that and, uh, and were not giving like they should have to the local church. But it was only a small percentage. Yeah. And, and, and while I just didn't worry too much about that because yeah. it's like, well, you know, what can I say? They're sitting in front of them, watching them every day, and I guess they feel some need to do this. Sure. So they say, well, it costs and, money to put this to yeah. to put it on TV. You know, if we if we if we took this podcast like I was talking a little earlier, and we went on television, right? It would cost us money to do a lot well, of money sure to do this. I mean, yeah, it's not cheap. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're we're not begging people for money. We don't even have a place where you can even give money to us. No, 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 but, no. But the point of it is, it, it cost us money. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're, film, we're we're filming this, recording this yeah. right here at River of Life at yeah. church. I mean, so there's money that's involved in electricity and other things. Oh, and yeah. so we don't come back and sit there and say, give us something. No, we want you to be faithful to your local church. Yes, and that, that, that's your the purpose. offerings to your local church. Local church. Now, okay, with this, let's jump. We're going we're gonna to kind of carry history forward a little bit. And we, we're, we're back there. We're seeing the swaggerts on there. We're seeing all the different, the MPs, the different ones that are on television. In comes uh, Praise the Lord Network, PTL, Jim Baker. And Jim Baker had a bit vision, and that vision was carried out to, to the point where we had Christian television going 24 hours a day. Yes. And uh, in on top of that, in the PTL, they had everything down there. I mean, they had, uh, it was like an amusement park down there in Carolinas, yeah. uh, down there with what, what was going on. And it had actually building, he had this vision for this. Now, here's the thing. Trinity Broadcast, or I'm sorry, uh, PTL. PTL, built that. And they had that going 24-7. There was a Praise the Lord program. And then he would start inviting different ministers and all that to come on and to pre or to have their own little programs. This was the early, and then we segue into Trinity Broadcasting Network. Yes. Now, I think a part of the fall of PTL and Jim Baker and all that kind of, that happened there, but then Trinity Broadcasting was thrust forward. Yes. And so what we have here is now Trinity Broadcasting. I remember watching Trinity Broadcasting Network in the Candy Cane Hotel in Anaheim, California. My mom and I had gone out there because we were getting ready to move there because I was going to college. I went to college in Costa Mesa down there. 
And uh, we were getting ready. We went out there and watching some Trinity Broadcasting Network, right? But it was on the fuzz. Do you remember the fuzz, you know, being able to watch the the, the signal would come in and oh, out, yeah. in and out. And, you know, you're watching that as fuzzy and all that. And the early ones on Trinity were talking, uh, Laverne Tripp and his family were there singing the good... Uh, Nancy Harmon was on yeah, there. Yeah. She'd have her uh, her uh, uh, program with all the music. And, of course, she would have the uh, Praise the Lord program. They called it Praise the Lord yeah. program back then. And then it was more interviews. They'd bring pastors in. They'd be talking and blah, blah, blah. And then, but you see, what they were doing was the start of building all sorts of programs to, to put 24 hours a day. Yeah, they took basically PTL's vision and they made it happen. Yes. And so they, they brought that in and they had that. But then they, as people, they would begin to interview this pastor, that pastor, then they probably talk to them, would you like to have your own program? Would you like to have your own program? So they could, what you have here is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And now you need to fill all of that with programs you got to have somebody to broadcast on there right somebody's got to even if it's not live you got to have somebody at two o'clock in the morning yes i mean that's 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 and that that, and and so what we do is we reach out and uh, this concept i want you to understand this concept because here there, there was a lack of, there's a, today we practice a very lack of discretion when it comes to filling that schedule. And the reason that is, is because we got all this to fill. And we want to be, number one, number two, we want to be on the cutting edge of what's going down in Christian living. In other words, we want to be uh, cool and current with what's happening. And with that type of attitude, with that type of philosophy, we start bringing in people say, well, I want time on your network. Okay. Are you willing to pay? Yeah, we'll we'll pay for that time on your network. Is there a questionnaire? Is there some sort of looking at what kind of theology that they have? What kind of uh, philosophies and what kind of doctrine? that they are put, putting out there, that is relaxed for the sake of filling the schedule. It, it would appear that way. I, I guarantee you the second generation, I don't even know if there's a consideration of that. I don't know. And well, you, you actually, the Bible says, and, and he says that you will know them by their fruits. Right. So you just kind of watch and kind of see. So we're, Okay, back back in the day, and the, the, this is okay. So we're we're moving into Trinity Broadcasting now, and I'm not saying that there there were the, these people are bad and that they're horrible or what have you. But let me tell you one thing: Trinity, um, they how they evolved. They began to ask different ministers on there to come on, but then the way that they built satellites, what they wanted to do is they wanted to get their television signal all over the world right and so you're going to get that signal all over the world and what is the what is the thing that you're going to draw first of all we got to raise money right yes 
And so when you're out there advertising for this, listen, man, we got to get the satellite into Indonesia. We got to get the satellite into China. We got to get the set and all this here. Then what are you doing? You're going to ask people for money, but it's for the sake of getting the gospel message out. And what is the gospel message? Well, at this particular point, as that began to grow, things begin to blur. And the reason I'm saying this is this, is that if I'm going to have a, a half hour program on your network and I am going to talk about prosperity and how God should be giving you a bunch of money and how you can give to get, is that the gospel message? No. I mean, that's not the gospel message you give to somebody who doesn't know the Lord. No. I mean, I'm not saying that it's wrong to preach on prosperity, but, but, but I, well, I'm a little opinionated on this topic. Mm -hmm. The way it's presented, I don't care if it's first generation or second generation, is heretical. Yeah. So I don't know how, I, I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. And David Wilkerson's, he says, why do I need to watch television? A Christian television. I'm already saved. And I go to a local church. And I go to a local church, and that's where I get my discipleship. That's yeah. where I get that teaching. Yeah. But you see, what uh, if you if you'll all notice this is now we are slowly through this, and I'm not again. I will say I don't. I'm not bad mouthing all the TBM as a whole. I'm not bad mouthing all these preachers uh, as a whole. But at the same time. You start not, if you sit there and, and watch this all the time, are you capable in your knowledge of the scripture and in your discipleship to be able to distinguish which preacher is preaching sound doctrine and which preacher is not preaching sound doctrine? Well, my experience in dealing with people for almost 40 years, I can give you a resounding no. Okay, and why, why would you say that? Well, I'll use Andrew Womack, and I don't agree in principle on all his theology either, but I do love his example. Sure. He said you can take the average believer, and you can take all their knowledge of Scripture, put it in a sewing thimble, and it would still rattle around. You know what, he's got a point there. Yes. Uh, because a lot of people just don't study their Bible. Now, you have a, you have a very small percentage I don't care what church, you can talk about the church here at River of Life. Yeah. It doesn't matter what church we're talking about. You have a very small percentage of people that really read the scripture daily and uh, and really study it out mm -hmm. to find out what it really means and how it applies. You know, that's a very small percentage. Of, for the majority of Christians that I know, they rarely ever read their Bible, and the only Bible they ever get is if they happen to come to Sunday school, yes, and or they come to a Sunday service, and and something like that. Generally, our Wednesday night crowd is a little bit different flavor, but even that crowd right there, yeah, I've never taken a poll, but but if we were to ask people how many, well, I've done this before, I've seen the faces and the body language, yeah, people don't read their Bibles, uh oh. So do they have the capacity, the average believer, to sift the I have to be careful how I say this. Have a, some of this is garbage. Yes. Okay. To sift through this to figure out whether this guy is being 
true to scripture, mm -hmm. my, my answer to that is pretty much no. Okay. So from a doctrinal standpoint, Pastor, would you think that if I turn on TBN today that everyone is going to be sound doctrine that are broadcasting on there? No. 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 Um, there's, no there's, I mean, uh, no. Absolutely. Well, there's reasons why. I mean, you're going to have people from completely different theological persuasions. Yes. And not to be too technical, you're going to have people that are more Calvinistic, other people that are more Arminian. I believe both of them are wrong. Yeah. And yeah, they're so, the I mean, they're, they're, yeah. you know, you can't have that much of a difference in Scripture and both of you be right. You yeah. know, so, you know, I'm, I'm not saying all Calvinists are evil or Arminians are evil. I'm just saying they're sort of like flounders that have two eyes on the side of their, you know, head, yes. you know, and I, 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 well, we don't want to get into that, but, but if you're listening to enough people, you're going to get conflicting, um, information. Yes. And, and then you're going to get into, and then you, you need to know, well, you're going to ask, well, which one is well, right? Who's right? Well, let me, let me just say, you know, I, I don't want to alienate people, but this is factual. This is not something that is, uh, I'm not trying to be ugly. Let's take a, uh, a famous uh, preacher. He's on television, and his name slipped my mind. Uh, he is a black minister. He's uh, T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes, yeah. And, and T.D. Jakes is a great preacher. He's got yeah. The, I mean, I love his presentation. He's very persuasive. Yes. But T.D. Jakes has changed. No. Okay. Um, and uh, and T.D. Jakes, um, well, I mean, let, let's, let's, just, let's just be honest right here. And I, and I know this is political. Yeah. And, and he admitted he was wrong. So okay, I'm give that's him fine. That. But uh, when President Obama was running the first time, you know, the first, yeah. you know, I, I don't care. Jesus could have been running against him. He was going to win. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, and by the way, I didn't vote for President Obama. I didn't vote for him when he was a senator, and I didn't vote for him when he was a president. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the color of his skin. It had the content of his message and what he believes. Yes. And, uh, I mean, this President Obama, while senator in Illinois, argued on the Senate floor that if there was a botched abortion, that the doctor should still have the right to kill that infant that's already born. Oh. Because if you don't give him that right, then you under, uh, you just... You know, you destroy Roe versus Wade and everything it stands for. Yeah, he was one of the only senators that that argued for that. Wow. This man is a murderer. Yes, I don't know how else to put that. He'll answer to God for that one yes, day. Yes, he will. We can read Second Timothy chapter four and talk about that. Yeah, but we won't. T. Jakes voted for him, and and he admitted he voted for him. Yes. I don't know if he voted for him the second time. He 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 said he was wrong and he was sorry. He got caught up in all that. How does the minister get caught up in that? I, I don't even understand that. Well, I mean, they do. And I mean, I said that, 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 that's... I mean, Bill Clinton played his saxophone up there on the Democratic Committee. I didn't yeah. get in and say, oh, I'm going to vote for him. Now, I don't understand. It, it becomes a, a persuasive type of thing. But, and... but that was the point I wouldn't want to make. I'm just saying I want to see a progression. Yeah, at what point do, do you get so big and your ministry so big that you have to be um, sensitive to, uh, what's the word, to be politically correct, to be 
to what the world thinks is right. Well, he tried to talk out of both sides of his mouth a couple of years ago in an interview on the issue of the LGBTQ yeah. community. And, uh, and I watched the interview. I mean, I, after the fact, I sat there and I listened to it, and I was disappointed. Uh-huh. Because he had he tried to have it both ways. Yeah. Now, he was taken to task on that. He got upset about it. He did clarify his position that, yes, homosexual uh, sex is sinful. Yes. Finally. But he tried to have it both ways. Well, uh, Joel Osteen. And, uh, and by uh, the way, he's also in that little crowd. Yeah. And when you have a secular person that's interviewing a secular, yeah. and they ask you flat out, is homosexuality a sin? Or is God good with it? And he does his little thing, like he, you know, big smile, flashes his teeth, and oh, everybody's welcome in our church. He said, that's not what I asked you. I, I didn't asked, ask you that. Yeah. I asked you, is it a sin? He had to ask him three times. Before he would come out with it. And finally he said, well, you know, the Bible does say it's wrong, but and then he's real quick to come back. But real quick to come back, because what is more important to him? Everybody is invited to my church, and where does that all draw the line to? Money. Yes, it does. And, and and let's just put it this way. If Joel Osteen started preaching the gospel in his church, they, that church would not be that big. Yeah. And because by the way, you Joel start, Osteen does not preach the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Yes. Put it this way. Oprah Winfrey does not interview preachers that preach the gospel. No. Uh, and here, I'll give a plug right here. Ophel Winfrey will never interview me. No. Or you. Uh-uh. Never interview John Hagee. Probably won't. I'm not a big fan here, but probably will never interview Jimmy Swaggart. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because that doesn't fit her her uh, paradigm for yeah. what she believes. Her truth. <laughs> yeah. That's what they all that was my truth, yeah, your truth, so, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, they are building... and. Okay, so we, we, we've, we've jumped ahead into the uh, Christian television. One of the things that I'm pointing out is, is that they began to build networks that had all sorts of different teaching. Uh, and so what, what, what it was was the programs were no longer the gospel message being preached. It's all about this or that. And even some of them are good, and there's some good teaching out there about uh, prayer or if they're talking about prayer or faith or whatever. But what happens here is, is that when we get to a point where people say, well, I don't have to go to church. I can just listen to it on my television set. Well, I, well, like I said, I encountered this like in the early 80s, and, and I had one lady who uh, told me this. She said, yeah, I get up early, and I watch Jimmy Swaggart, and I watch somebody else, and I watch somebody before she even came to Sunday school, and I thought I'd be exhausted by the time I got there. Yeah. And you know, I, yeah. I've heard that several times from people, too. They're watching all of this stuff prior to coming to church. Now, the thing, the nice thing about that is, is that they come to church. Yeah. But at the same, and, the, was, and if they're faithful to church. We're talking about first generation. That's first generation. Yeah. Now, as we move into the second generation, let me, let, me, let, me, let me kind of draw some distinctions here. First generation television evangelism or, or television, Christian television. We're talking about the Swaggarts. We're talking about MP, we're talking, like Ed mentioned. 
in that. And we're talking even Ken Copeland. Kenneth Copeland was on uh, was on TV uh, during those days, and he was teaching the faith message. Yes. Now, I'm going to play something here. This is what Kenneth Copeland has evolved into. Yes. This is today. Uh, the Associated Press said that Joe Biden is president. Ha! enough of that okay yeah okay let me shut that off uh, you, you know, you might, yeah. my question to anyone that's listening to this why in the world are you listening to someone like that yeah I mean all right well, I mean, let, well let's put a date on this so we can all understand but today is what the um, today is, is June, 17 June. June the 17th you think he's going ha 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 and doing all that now 2022 probably not I hope not. If the, he is, this was they what, have medicine for stuff like that. The, the, this was a television broadcast that happened right at yeah. the election time. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and just and I understand. I, I get it. I understand why if you are a Christian, you would be upset that Joe Biden would be the president. I get that. Yeah, I do understand that. Sure. I don't like it, but he is the president. Yeah. Okay. I just like. Obama was the president, just like Clinton was the president. There yeah. were some people that I didn't, I remember when Jimmy Carter was the president, we had gas lines. Yes. I remember that as a kid, you know, yes. yeah, I get that. Um, but, you know, God has something to say about people who are in rulership and in authority. Paul wrote a letter in the first letter he wrote to Timothy, I believe it's in the second chapter, and he says, we're supposed to pray for these people. Yes. Pray for them. You pray for your rulers so and those that, that have authority a over you. Light and peaceable life and all godliness. Yes. And of course, I don't want to get all back into that again. But no, but, but you know, the, the, that's the, one of the reasons people stirred up. They just cannot take scripture and and and, and obey it. You think the apostle Paul was worried about who the emperor of Rome was? No. He was in, he was interested in preaching the gospel to people. In fact, what about Jeremiah? That's amazing. When he writes that letter to the captives in Babylon, you know, it's that got that scripture. I know the plans that I have for you and all sure. that. That whole letter was talking to the people that would die in captivity. By the way, yeah. And his letter was support the city, build houses, have children, tell your children to do the same thing. Yeah. He didn't tell them to riot against it wasn't going to do any good because mm -hmm. God had already spoken yeah. and said 70 years of captivity. You're not going to get out of that one. Well, okay. And then that point about, you know, I know the plans, that was but, an encouragement that God right here in Babylon will take care of you. He's going to take care of you and bless yes. you and he hadn't forgotten you. Yeah. And yes, there will be a moment. It won't be you and it might not be your kids, but it'll be your grandkids. Sure. I'm going to bring them back. And then he's going to bring them back. Now, the thing is here is that with Kenneth Copeland, he was first generation. Back in the day, there was, uh, I mean, it, it was 
you know, very straightforward. He wasn't doing that. But first generation, he wasn't. No. No. But then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, as we go in, in the years, now we're here at where we're at today. And there, there, this is what we've evolved to in Christian television. Now, another thing is, as Trinity Broadcasting Network, I will no notice that there are two currently, there are two superstars on Trinity Broadcasting Network. Number one is Mike Huckabee. The other one is Stephen Furtick. Oh, they're all on Trinity. See, they're on I, Trinity. And, and we should acknowledge this. I do not watch Christian Okay, television. yes. Okay, so I, I don't know all this. So, anyway, and I've done, uh, and, okay, Mike Huckabee, he's pretty good. I mean, he's he has some good, he's had some, uh, uh, like the Imperials came on there and sang and stuff. Hey, that's, that's good stuff. But the, the thing here is, is that Mike Huckabee got caught up and still is caught up to a point in all of the Trumpism. And we're, you, you see, the, with that situation, you ask the question, how much should a minister of the gospel be involved in politics? Well, I don't have any problem with the, anybody being involved in politics. What I mean by that, if you want to run for office, or no. you want to you know, get involved in your city council or, or something of that. In fact, I encourage people, if you can do that, and be a voice of biblical reason, yeah. that's a good thing. But what Huckabee is doing is counterproductive. Well, I mean, it's still on Fox News. They were putting the advertisement that, um, you know, uh, the children's guide to President Trump. And all that he wants for us and all of it, you know, it gets to the point where I'm over here going, Fred. You know, we, we've been here before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when when in, people don't understand church history, one of the best things and worst things that ever happened to the church mm -hmm. is Constantine, the emperor of Rome, got saved. Yes. Yes. Persecution stopped. That's wonderful. He just started persecuting other people because they didn't want to get saved. Yeah. You, you put to death. Is that uh, amazing? Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, so is that God? No. No. I mean, and, and you know, and so, so that's why I'm saying it's the best and the worst of worlds. Yeah. This depends on who you are, right? And, uh, and yet, you know, a lot of people got involved in all those kind of things. It created all kinds of controversy, all kinds of, uh, you know, the Aryan controversy, everything that spilled out of that. You know why all that stuff didn't really happen that much before that? It's because people were having to preach the gospel and their lives were on the line. They didn't have yeah. time for this nonsense. It's not that we didn't have some of that. It just didn't take hold. Yeah, you know the church yeah. has never done very well. Well, there, there is uh, the, the, that whole that saying: "Stay in your lane." Yeah, and what I'm saying is that ideal of Constantine, Constantine, Constantine. Yeah, and now it's Trump, 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 and before that it was Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Yeah, and it's like we can't get it out of our system. Yeah, stop it. I mean, it's Jesus Christ. Yes. That's, well, that's a, as a minister the of the gospel, as a Christian, that is the most important thing. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations or what have you, and then in, in several places. But he, and when they asked Jesus about paying his taxes, he says, give to Caesar what Caesar's, Caesar, give to God what's God's. Yeah. He separated the two yeah, distinctly. He, he, yeah, he didn't say give to, give to, uh, to the Christian network 
their part, give to your uh, to God this part, and oh by the way, Gene Scott's out there in the in the 70s. Let's give him some right. No, he didn't say that. Yeah, you know, but that's how that's what's happened. And I will say that especially in the second generation, mm-hmm. this is to be true that the decline in the local church, and it no matter whether we're talking about the United States, we're talking about Europe. When I say Europe, France, England, Germany, anywhere in that area. One of the uh, what you can you if you you track the success of the second generation, yes. it's in opposition to the decline of the local church. Yes. Now, the, and, I, I, just, and, I find that interesting. Okay, and let me bring it back around. I want to make sure it's and, and clear. The, the internet when we're talking second generation, first generation, Jimmy Swagger. I'm just going to use just maybe three examples: Jimmy Swagger, uh, Billy Graham, Robert Schuler. Oh, and let's use. Uh, uh, What's Daddy Osteen's name? John Osteen. John Osteen. Four. Okay, I'll give you four. That was the first generation. Right. The second generation would be either their sons or what have you that's passed down that takes over the ministry. Jimmy Swaggart has his kid, uh, uh, Donnie. Donnie, and then now that's almost in the third generation with his uh, grandson, grandson Gabriel. Gabriel, and there, there, that's kind of three generations there that are running the whole uh, ministry right now. But he's still there, okay. Even though he's like uh, eighty or something now, I mean he's up in his ears. He's still there. They're still doing that. Billy Graham went down to, and then his second generation would be Franklin Graham. Yes. Okay. Now I do. I, I I respect Franklin. I mean, he's still doing the his uh, th- thing, and he's standing up against things and all that, uh, and you know, taking a stand. But of course, he he doesn't have that effect of Billy Graham. No. Then you take a look at Robert Schuler. Let me just throw Robert Schuler out because uh, I, uh, I was out in California with the uh, exposed to all the Robert Schuler and all that. And Robert was uh, he was a good positive preacher or what have you. Theology, well, anyway. But then he handed it down to his kids, and that went all awry. There was infighting within the family and all this. Nobody was agreeing with one another. uh, I guess the daughter had taken it for some time. The son had taken it, uh, his son. And all of a sudden, uh, that whole glass cathedral they built out in Garden Grove, California, is now owned, after going into bankruptcy and all that, is owned by the Catholic Church. And that basically was a devastating type of situation there. Now, and now let's take a look at John Osteen. John Osteen was, I mean, he fiery. I've listened to him a number yeah, of times. I used to go to his conferences when I was uh, living in that area. Mm-hmm. They would uh, they would do conferences, so I would go up to, because I, I was less than 25 miles from the church. Yeah. So I'd go up there. And these were, these were gospel-packed messages. I mean, they're not, they weren't this hyper-prosperity, hyper-grace yeah. stuff. It's word preaching. Yes. Uh, they didn't mind confronting sin. They didn't mind calling people to repentance. And, uh, I mean, there was a heavy emphasis on healing and gifts of the Spirit. Sure. We don't have a problem with that. I mean, as long as you're being scriptural with it. I mean, yes. And they were. And, uh, and that was enjoyable. But then we get to Joel Osteen. He's second generation. But then again, if you look by today's standards, somebody would say that Joel Osteen is magnificently successful. 
Well, I mean, you would, but if Joel Osteen actually preached the gospel, that success would go away. You see, and th this is one thing, is that we have uh, Sirius XM radio, and we were traveling across the country for, I don't know, it was a few hours or what have you. And so what I did is I we threw that station on, uh, on uh, it was on Sirius, and on the, to listen to his messages on the Joel Osteen station. It's a station. Two and a half hours we listened to that. Not one time did we hear the name Jesus mentioned in those broadcasts. And this was several of his sermons over two and a half hours. And I'm over here going, well, God loves you and God can do this and God can do that and God does and all this. But what is the problem here? Something was wrong. I don't know. Something is just kind of up. Then he's not using the name of Jesus. And I think we discussed this before is that back in the book of Acts, when uh, the early disciples would preach the gospel, they would bring the message of Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. But, you know, we're, we're, you know, this man stands here before you whole. This type of thing that you see in the Acts, then the rulers would get a hold of those disciples. And they would either stern warn them, they beat them the next time, and they says, you will not preach in that name. That means the name of Jesus was yeah, offensive. Yeah, and, and you know, and people to the world. I, if you want to boil it down to this, isn't just a New Testament concept of it in the letters written, but if you look at the Gospels and you actually read them, Jesus was controversial. Yes, I mean, you either hated him or you loved him. There was not much in between. And I would suggest to you that the gospel is either extremely loved because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Or is extremely hated. There's very little in the middle. And and part of the the what I believe is the, the falling away that was predicted. Yes. Uh, in scripture, uh, according to Paul, we are living in those days. I believe that. Yes. And... Um, and, and, and I think in some sense of the word, I'm not saying revival cannot break out in places, because sure. God will meet people wherever they seek him. Mm -hmm. you know? and, uh, but, but, you know, but what we're seeing in this country, and this is what I'm so shocked at, is that, you know, I was, I was just watching some, just in preparation of this meeting and listening to some of these people just battle on, and I'm not going to mention their names because I don't want to give them any fanfare here. Yeah. It's like a total, total, this particular lady is talking about God's reality versus this and that, whatever, and, and what's going on, and everybody's supposed to be holding on that Trump is going to be reinstated, and all this nonsense. And I'm just like, are you living on the same planet yeah. that we're all living on? Yeah. If you cannot see this, not only do you not have discernment, I question whether you even know the Lord. Sure. You know, I I, I just uh, it just it bothers me. Yeah, it is. It, it's quite it's quite distressing. Now, the the, the thing is with Christian television, uh, we try to bring this around to what we're talking about here because uh, time is uh, we can we can go probably a few hours on this yeah, one. We're close to an hour. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> so the, the thing is is that Joel Osteen, and I'm I'm just going to say one last thing. And you you had mentioned his interview about they asked him straight out his homosexuality is sin. Yeah, and by the way, a secular 
news person. Secular news person. And, and, and then on, what we're doing is we're hemming and hawing around about it. You can find this on, on a YouTube video. I mean, yeah. it, this is not done in a corner. Is and, this a, it Was the answer that he gave a man of conviction of the scripture and a man of what you would call a man of conviction well, that believes the, the Bible as the word of God and uh, what God says goes? Well, let, let's just read this right here. Verse uh, 2 Timothy 3. I'll just read the first part of it. He yeah. said, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And then he continues that same argument into chapter 4, and he tells, he tells Timothy to preach the word. Okay, mm -hmm. He said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and, uh, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables or myths. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what's going on. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I realize this may be offensive to people, but Joel Osteen is not a gospel preacher. No, he's not preaching the gospel. Not, it's a positive message or positive... But, the, but that's the thing. The gospel is not a positive message in no. that sense. It is a very upfront repent or burn. Yes. I mean, and that's a simplistic way of looking at it. Either you acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you become a follower of him and you get discipled in the local church on how to behave and live for God in his kingdom or you reject him and you eventually will die and you will stand before the judgment and you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That is not positive, but that is the truth of the gospel. Yes. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said. If I can just get a man to think about his eternity for five minutes, I could win that man for Christ. Yes. You know what that means? That means you got to talk to a person not just about heaven. you got to talk to them about hell. you got to talk about there's a judgment. That's Paul. He said, knowing therefore the, the, uh, the, 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 the judgment of God or the terror of God. He said, terror, knowing the terror, terror of God, God we, we persuade, persuade men. men. Yes. It, it compelled him. And by the way, I would encourage anyone to go read all of Second Timothy, the last letter ever written by yes, Paul. Yes, yes. And it is amazing mm -hmm. what he dealt with. And uh, and of course, when we say Paul, we we bring this back. We know it's God's word. Yes. But he used men to write it. Yes, he and did. And he moved on. That's how Peter put it. He moved on them by the Holy Spirit. So what they wrote was his word. And this is God-breathed scripture. So I don't want people to get confused and say, well, I don't want to follow that. I'll follow a man. It's so, so it's ridiculous. That, that, that's a lack of understanding what verbal plenary inspiration is all about. Sure. But, but, but you know, in that sense, the last letter we have, he wrote 13 letters, 14 if you count Hebrews, mm -hmm. 13 letters in the New Testament, and his last letter is not a positive message. No about how God wants to bless you and how God wants to do this and there's roller coasters in heaven and all this other garbage that people are talking about. And to me, that is offensive yes. to the people that laid their life down. Yes. So you could have a Bible in your hand. Yes. And I, I'm going to bring us back. I want, I want you to take a look. Let's like, take a look at Martin Luther. What was going on during his time? 
Well, he had indulgences being sold by the church. By the church. But yeah. then how, how readily available was the scripture for the everyday man, for you and no. I, the everyday to be able to read? By the time you get to Martin Luther's day, and by the way, this would have been true for over 100 years uh, prior to that, maybe longer, uh, you, had the, you had the Vulgate. That's basically the Latin translation of the Bible, which is a fine translation for its time. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm not I'm not knocking that. No. But your average person in Germany they don't couldn't know. speak Latin. No. And Much so less read it. You have to have someone in the Catholic Church, because that's basically all you have. Yeah. You have to have somebody to explain to you what scripture means. There. Now that that's a problem. That's that's the problem. It's because they were all relying upon the people in the church or whatever to to interpret the Bible for them yes. and to read it to them. And so it's kind of like today. We we've kind of fallen back into that realm. We don't read our Bibles like you were talking about we earlier. I mean, we we a, don't read our Bibles. We have a Bible. So, but we're, we're relying on everybody else to tell us what we mean. So we're gonna, what it means. Sorry. Yeah. And then, so what do we do? We turn on Christian television. They're all going to tell us what it means. Yeah, they're going to tell us. They're going to. You know, it's it's amazing. But you know, and and that is that is a uh, that's a problem. I mean, it really is. And once again, people are sending, well, it used to be in the first generation, you still went to your church, yeah. you still paid your tithe, you still gave offerings to your church because that's where you go. Yeah. And you're going to get ministry. I mean, you want somebody yes. to marry you when you want to get married. You want somebody to bury you when you die. Yeah. You want somebody to teach your children and train them. And Ken Copeland's not going to come out and perform your, go your funeral you or your wedding. Your, your pastor or somebody yeah. there in the church is going to come and visit you and pray for you. Okay? Yeah. So people were still pretty normal. In this second generation, uh, people have just quit going to church, and now they're taking all the money that their first generation would have done for their local church, and they're sending that money, their, their, all their time, talent, gifts, everything. I, I don't want to boil this down to money, but this is a fact. We, we, need, to, we need to take a look at that. That's what I and wanted so to do while we still have some time to, here. 137 average attendance. Now we are looking at 65 average attendance all over America, and, uh, and it's, and so it's many, siphoning. It's like it's sucking the juice right out of the churches. Over half, half the people that were coming aren't coming anymore. Yeah, but yet these the, Christian television it seems to be well. That they'll not only they'll get on TV, they'll go on that internet man and listen to the Elijah Streams Network. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, I'm naming some names, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it because yeah. this is what, and they listen to that and they got some of these things, the, the, some of the stuff that's being taught is just way out there. But then, okay, uh, but let's kind of, I'm going to kind of dial it back let, a little let, bit. Let me but, give you this example. Yeah. And uh, I have been, um, you know, as far as, in, as an adult, I've been on television one time. Okay. And it was Daystar. All right. And, uh, it was. I think I had to go to Houston uh, to do it, and they and this is back when I was pastoring on the coast, mm -hmm. and uh, and we were uh, in the process of, of building a building. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we had bought land, and we were going to have to build it, and we weren't building this building because we wanted to build it. It was because we had outgrown our facilities; it had become a problem, and uh, and so we had God 
made a way for all that. All right. So they wanted to interview me because nothing like this had ever happened in the the town I was in. I was leaving that. Yeah. And uh, and so that you know, and God was moving, and God was, and so they wanted to interview us. So I sat down uh, with a. Uh, uh, I don't well. I do know his name. I'm not going to give it. And so they had questions, you know, yeah. and they wanted to ask us certain things. And uh, and it was amazing. I was told, you know, hey, when the it was me and Carol, my wife, and you know, when it was all done, that I was supposed to pray for the people or whatever. And they asked me if I'd do that, and I said sure. After our interview, I mean, we got shut down because we were simply pointing people to scripture we were a little bit too literal okay that's my opinion but he took that thing back over now the people that actually well i never saw it i i didn't i, I don't watch it so i never saw yeah. it people that saw it they even noticed you know a little bit of a a little bit of the shutdown that's how we made them nervous and we talked about things like gifts of the Holy Spirit. We didn't mm -hmm. get into a lot of definition of it. Sure. We talked about how that we became a couple, how God had orchestrated that and everything, and, and how the, you know, I, I mentioned how I looked at Scripture in Genesis when it's not good for man to be alone. And, yeah. And, and I, I prayed prayers to, well, God, you want me in ministry, and I believe you're telling me you want me to be married. I want to meet my wife one day, and, and how that God worked that and how it. Yeah. 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 And, and then I, they, they shut it down. Yeah, and it, it's not any... It's subjective. I, I get that. But when you go to the point where he just stopped everything and he, uh, we're going to pray right now and they just avoided it, you could see the uncomfortableness. And that wasn't the only thing we we're talking about. We were talking about other things about scripture and it made him uncomfortable. It didn't fit his narrative. I, I, I really don't. I, I, it was bizarre. Yeah. Well, the thing here is that you've got people back. that are watching. Well, if you are a Pentecostal preacher, okay, yeah. I'm just going to say that, and you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right? But you have Baptist individuals or other denominations that do not believe in that, that think that that's, some of them even go as far as saying that's from the devil or whatever, yeah. whatever they do. So what you don't want to do is you put that on there, you're going to have to take a stand. Right. They're going to say you're associated with those Pentecostals. And so they may lose members of their audience because of what well, the you're saying. the bottom line is you're going to lose money. Yes, and that's where bottom line. And, and and the thing is, if you lose the people, you lose their money, right? right. And if you lose their money, well, they're not going to be contributing to your uh, big network or to your Daystar or whatever your network's going to be, and that's going to cause trouble for you. But you see, they worry about that there. But let's kind of turn the let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the other side of the coin. People who are listening and giving to Christian television and those preachers and all that, on the other hand, and they're funneling their money there, and then all of a sudden you look over at the church, number one, you're seeing a decline in attendance at the church. They don't think they have to come to church anymore, number one. Number two, their money's not going to the church anymore. And then you're so you're seeing how many churches every week or every month or every year or what have you just folding up. More churches are closing down than we're planning. 
Yeah. And and that is a problem. And you say, well, it's COVID. No, it's not COVID. This was going COVID on, this was just going on enhanced this. the situation. Yeah. Because it, it may maybe COVID, <coughs> excuse me, maybe COVID uh, encouraged them more to listen to television and not to come to the local church. And I, I realize this is my opinion, and I will leave it at that. Okay. But just what I can see in Scripture, you know, I mean, by the way, Jehoshaphat's prayer included this. Sure. Uh, what God revealed to Solomon talked about this. Things like drought. Yes. Famine. Pestilence. Yes. Yeah, epidemic of some sort, you know, because that's basically a, well, it's basically a flu. It's a, a virus. It's it. it yes. That's what it is. And uh, and uh, and you know, so in other words, what were they? What were they all in reference to? These were a reference to God's judgment. judgment. If you see these things, what was the remedy? If my people, most clearly said, if my people who are called by, by my, my name, name will humble, humble themselves. themselves and pray right. and turn from their wicked ways, mm -hmm. then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal, heal their land. Right. Okay, so when I look at COVID-19, and I see what's going on in the world, to me it is a judgment of God. Yes. And uh, just like I believe that Joe Biden is a judgment of God. Yes. Against a sinful nation. Yes. And if you but even believe, even if, if the COVID began in the time of Trump, though. Yes, yes. So, well, I, well, I believe, and, and we've talked about this before, I sure. believe President Trump was a judgment of God to expose idolatry in the church. Yes. And and, and to some extent, people have woke up from that. And, and by the way, I'm not blaming President Trump for that. Trump's I, it's fault. not his fault. No. I'm just saying that he used him as an instrument to expose idolatry in the church, mm -hmm. and he's using President Biden as judging us for a sinful nation. Yes. But you know, we can we don't want to get into all of that. But 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 you know, let's get back to this one thing, and we, I, I know we had to yeah, we close got, it out. Uh, yeah. The you know what was going on with uh, Martin Luther? Martin Luther had his problems. Nobody's yes. perfect. But Martin Luther sought to do something that that needed to be done, and that was to go back to the original Greek mm -hmm. and Hebrew, and, uh, and specifically Greek for him. Yes. And uh, and uh, because he was trained in that. Sure. And so he went, and that's how the justification by faith came about, yes. was because of the original language. By the way, when the New Testament was being written, it was written in the common language of the known world at that time. Mm -hmm. And that was his point. If God wanted the scripture in the tongue of every person in the known world, because the Roman Empire was a Greek-speaking nation, yes. Yes. okay, and just like uh, English is so prevalent in the world today. Yeah. And so, you know, his his concept, why can't we get this in German? Mm -hmm. You know, and that created a movement that we have today. And, of course, the concept of the big local, when we say the local church, we're talking about the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Selling indulgences to people and is no different than a Christian person on television uh, trying to uh, sell you something to make you feel better about your dead relatives. You know, with your with your contribution, yes. or with your offering, 
of $1,000, you will break the the hold of, pros, of uh, poverty on your life. And, and, and yeah, and by the way, that, that $1,000 is never invested in your local church. No, they, no they, you're going to give it to me. You're going to send it yes, to me. Yes, you're going to send it to my ministry. Yeah. And as I explained to somebody, why don't you give me $1,000 so God can give you $100,000? Yeah. And they didn't much like that. No. I said, if you really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that, that stuff is garbage. It's heretical. Yeah. It's not scriptural. That's it's, it's not God's not. method of prosperity. But they all do it. Yes. And, and oh, yeah, they do. And, uh, and if, if we were dealing with the issue of hyper-prosperity, that's what that is. Yes. Hyper-prosperity is not biblical prosperity. God mm -hmm. talks about prosperity in the Bible. Sure. But not what is not being what, portrayed. I mean, by the books that are being written about it and the television programs. This is heretical. And, uh, and there is no other way to say it. You know, and, uh, and if you don't like the word heretical, it's garbage, is what it is. And they they twist the scripture to satisfy the need they want to get rich and have money. And you see, the thing is, is do you feel that there's a level of manipulation? Yes, there is manipulation. Just like Tetzel going out during the time of Martin Luther saying, every time a coin in the coffer springs, or, or rings, sorry, every toy time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Yeah. So we're selling indulgences. You had to give money yeah, in yeah, order to spring yeah, grandma yeah, out of purgatory. I'm you brought that out because a lot of people don't know what an indulgent is. Yes. And that's what they're doing. You know, your, your dead Uncle Johnny is probably in purgatory, and or he may be... Yeah, which is a version of hell. Yes. You know what I mean? And so holding we, you know, between you know, so, whatever. So we're here. We want to get him out. And it doesn't matter that Uncle John, he was a womanizer or whatever else he was. Yeah. But anyway, and uh, or, or let's say it was a saint. I mean, they weren't there. Yeah. And so I can give a certain amount of money. And once it, and by the way, somebody has to determine what that amount is. Yes. And, uh, you know, we can't find that in Chewbacca 5-7. Anyway, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're making fun there. So we don't want anybody listening to that thing if there's such a book as Chewbacca. There's not. All right. But, uh, you know, and, and somebody makes that determination. And then, yeah, then I, I guess I'm going to come back with the good news. Uh, it's just a little bit more. And... Uncle Johnny's going to get out of purgatory. You could pop him out. They could yeah. pay his uh, his bail out of uh, purgatory. Oh, and by the way, they had some strange people. Everybody needs to read the incident in Munster, Germany. Okay. Uh, during the time of the Reformation, you know, some of the same characteristics we see. History always repeats itself. Yes. Having the, the, the one guy, I can't pronounce his name because it's a strange German name. Sure. And he, you know, he's all wearing black all the time. He's going around saying, what was that God? What was that God? You know. Does that remind you of anything? What was that you said, Lord? And uh, it, it, there's nothing new. No. That was a shenanigan. That was that. That's a fraud. Yes. And you see, they were they were doing this to manipulate people during that time. Yes. And now we're on By the way, television. Martin Luther condemned them for what yes. they were doing. Yes. Well, and the, that that well, the, what all started there is that in those ninety five theses. One of these days we're going to have we're going to talk about the ninety five yes, theses. I think we them. need to talk <laughs> anyway. But um, but comparing the manipulation there, you go come into today and you have Mike Murdoch on television yes. telling you that if 
You give a thousand dollars, you will break the back of prosperity or of poverty. poverty. I got to use that right word. Poverty on your life. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you, but don't give it to that, your church. You want to give it to me. And by the way, he'll give, I'm gonna a, get rich. he'll give a stirring story about how he did this, and that he'll he'll relate that on all the blessings of God that have come to him, and he'll talk about his house, and he's got zebras, and he's got all these exotic stuff, and all like that. And you know, and the shame of all that is, where did he get all that money from? On the backs of Christians who were susceptible to his call. And this, I believe, and I'm sorry, but personally, I believe that God is going to hold these individuals responsible. I know a minister of the gospel that got caught up in this, and his wife got caught up in this, and this is a few years ago, and actually went to a dealership, found the car that they wanted, and she would go there almost every day and sit in that car because she had believed it, she had prayed for it, she had, you know, she was in the will of God. She had claimed it, named it, everything, mm -hmm. and did this. And, and the, you know, the salespeople that got used to seeing her. Yes. And, uh, and you know, and, and this is my, this, basically you're seeing the pastor's uh, nut wife, you know, you're crazy. Yes. I'm sorry, you got caught up in something. By the way, she's a good woman, but she got caught up in something. And this is what happens when we don't measure things according to Scripture. We look like idiots. Yes. Okay. And so that's what she's doing. And then of course the day comes and how I know my parents were going to church at that church at that time. Yeah. And, uh, and then the day came and they sold the car. They didn't sell it to her. They sold it to somebody else. Yeah. Sold it to somebody else. Now she saw the error of her ways and, and, and most people, yeah, you kind of figure it out. Okay. So they kind of stopped that. Yeah, you know, but it's surprising that people can. But have you know, if if you're if you're buying that. into all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden it don't happen. Yeah. Can that? I mean, do you feel that people have walked away from God because of that? Yeah, I think false false theology causes people to walk away from God, and it doesn't matter what the false theology is. But if you're telling everybody, you know, that if you give this amount and you're going to get this amount and God's going to do this and all you got to wait for is somebody to come and give it to you, and all you're doing is making a preacher rich. That's, yeah. That's all you're doing. And so we we have this going on. And in this generation, we, we didn't get into half of the stuff that we could have gotten no, into no. today. But the thing is, is that as a substitute, you're going to use this as a substitute for coming to a local church, a Bible-believing church with a pastor that's dedicated uh, to bringing the word and the sound doctrine to you, and then through dis local discipleship, and you're going to use this other stuff as a substitute. And I think you had said it before that I'm going to tell you what, uh, Joel Osteen's not going to come and visit you in the hospital. No, he's not. He's not going to preach your funeral. No, he's not. Yeah, these important things in your life. I mean, he's not going to be there. But wait, I, I dare anybody that sends money to him. Can you get on the phone and call him? Can you talk to him? <laughs> Probably or talk not. To his wife? Yeah. Do you even know his cell phone number? Yeah. If you're going to a church and you don't know your pastor's cell phone number, I, that, that that to me is just odd. And but people do it though. Yes, they do. And, and it's sad. And, and it is sad. So the, the thing is here, and we're, we're, we're going to have to wrap up, but the, the point here is 
that we had talked for two weeks about substitutes. You're not going to find it. Number one, you're going to be susceptible to bad doctrine. Yes. That is one of the biggest things. Number two, it is not a substitute, and God has ordained through his word the local church, yes. bottom line. So we need to make sure that we are doing what God said. I mean, that's what the Bible says. We need to be dedicated to our local church. If you're out there listening today and you're over there and you say, well, I don't have to go to church, you, you, don't, you are not scriptural. No. You, you, that is not what God says in his word. The, God, the Bible talks about that we need to be in church. We need to go to a local church. Well, Brother Steve, I can't find one. I can't find a good one. You, look for one. I mean, there's uh, talk to other people. That I'm sure other, they're going to churches. And another thing you need to do is read your Bible. Yes. You need to become proficient in the word of God because if you listen, and we're not saying don't listen to Christian television, but if you're going to listen to it, you better know what your Bible says to make sure you don't get caught up, say like this uh, pastor's wife did, in a prosperity, uh, name it and claim it type of doctrine where you're going to be left out to dry, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be disillusioned and discouraged, and you're going to end up... Uh, uh, finding yourself not knowing what to do and possibly turning away from God. Yeah, it makes you wonder how many people in that church quit going to church as a relay because they were talking about going to the pulpit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, yeah. Anyway, anyone that was reading scripture in context, that is, you know, we're going through the, the Bible verse by verse, you know, chapter by chapter, and we're doing it and we're doing due diligence is never going to do something that's silly. No, no. So, all righty, folks. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of at time. We went over today. But at the same time, this is an important thing for us to understand that we need to be dedicated to the local church. Now, God is... Uh, um, uh, God is doing a lot of things through this ministry. We, uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in. And um, next week, we're going to be delving into another subject. And uh, <laughs> we're getting into some deep subjects here. But uh, y'all be blessed uh, and tune in next week. And we will uh, we'll talk to you then. Now, be, good, be blessed. God bless you. Bye-bye.